Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, Michael Tulip joins us to break down his thoughts on Illinois' win over Colgate, a mature kind of approach for Illinois, which you expect because they are a very mature team, very old team. But uh, we also look forward to bragging rights. We get into a conversation about playing freshmen on a team that's currently number 13 in the country. Uh, we talk about you know the dynamic of the bragging rights game in the transfer portal era as well. So always great stuff from Michael Tulip when we break that down. Of course, we got to talk a little bit of football here, don't we? We got National Signing Day early on Wednesday. We will be up. And Adam at 6 a.m. at our usual spot and giving you all the updates as Illinois is set to welcome 19 signees that we know of currently committed to Illinois. All seem locked in to sign with Illinois. There's always the potential for some surprises. Sidney Brown was a surprise back in 2018. Matt Krasetich last year in February was a little bit of a surprise. So we'll see if any of that happens. Of course, I think uh, the transfer portal is kind of overshadowed. The early signing period. Early signing period is basically the signing period, right? I mean, for most prospects, it's like 80% now are signing in this early signing period. But Illinois currently has the number 42 class in the country. And I wrote this today in my signing day primer. I get how people, if you're an Illinois fan, can kind of get, you know, a little cynical when you look at Illinois compared to the rest of the Big Ten in these recruiting rankings, especially when you bring in Oregon, who's a recruiting powerhouse number seven class in the country you're bringing in usc that routinely gets top 20 recruiting classes and of course ohio state penn state michigan um but i I always think there's some perspective like i don't know my perspective of illinois football is this yes it is becoming harder and harder to compete with the the upper class in the in the big 10 but my goal if i'm illinois if i'm josh whitman and brett bioma and of course you want to win championships that is the end goal but first, you have to get to the point where, one, you're competing consistently in the Big Ten. Brett Bielma has done that. He is 12-15 and 15 in the Big Ten. He has missed opportunities uh, by one win away from a bowl game in 2021 and 2023, and one win away from winning the Big Ten West, right, in 2022. So there have been missed opportunities, but you are consistently in games. And for Illinois, that was a necessary step. Now you have to try... And not only continue that, but build on that and win more of those close games. What is keeping you from winning more of those games? Talent certainly has something to do with that. But I think even the talent accrual, we have to put in perspective. If we're looking on paper, 
Illinois under Brett Bielma has its third top 50 class. Brett Bielma has brought in three of the top four Illinois recruiting classes of the last 15 years. Before he arrived in the previous 10 years, Illinois had three top 50 recruiting classes. He's had three straight. So he has elevated them there. Now, it takes time to develop those guys, and Brett Bielma has to develop those guys. Lovey Smith did a pretty good job of finding some under-the-radar guys who developed into stars. Chase and Sidney Brown, Devin Witherspoon. I thought Johnny Newton should have been a four-star when they got him. That's why I thought it was a big deal. Keith Randolph, I thought, was a four-star level prospect. Isaiah Williams was a really great talent. What he lacked was the depth. And while he got some offensive line early on in his tenure, that Brett Bielma probably got the most of late with guys like Doug Kramer and Alex Palczewski and Julian Pearl, the depth was a huge issue. Wide receiver outside of Casey Washington's last year here, Isaiah Williams, you know, transitioning to that spot after playing quarterback under Lovey, that was a real struggle. Um, and there just wasn't a lot of depth, and I got to give Brett Bielma credit for getting the most out of Lovey Smith's talent. Like Sidney Brown was not an NFL prospect before Brett Bielma arrived. Kirby Joseph was playing receiver at one point. So you got to give credit to, to Brett Bielma for those things as well. But the 2022 class for Illinois was a COVID class, was a um, you know class the first one where it takes some time potentially to, to get in on some of those top prospects. But the last two classes for Illinois, both top 45, both top 42, you're starting to get some four-star talents like Caden Fagan, Malik Elzey, A.J. Dennis. Uh, no matter if you're looking at the composite, Khalil Valentine. You're starting to get some of those guys, but development of those classes will be really important. I do think the Power 5 battles you're winning, the in-state battles you're getting into and winning. Illinois didn't land as many in-state guys in this class, but this class at the top was so loaded that a lot of the Power 5, or a lot of the powerhouses came in, like Clemson and Miami and schools that normally don't come into Illinois came in and and plucked some top talent. Like Illinois still isn't going to beat those guys. Um, And that's... That stinks. If you're Illinois, when you put all this time in, you develop a good relationship with Marquise Lightfoot, and Miami comes in over the top and wins it. they got a lot of resources down there at Miami. It's Miami, too, so maybe Marquise Lightfoot wants to do that. But I think Brett Bielma has elevated it. Has he elevated it enough to compete with the top end of the, of the Big Ten? No. No. Like you can, you can compete with Michigan in a single game. You can compete with Penn State in a single game. Maybe we'll see it with Oregon this year. I don't know. Um, but... For me, it's about can you compete with the schools that have been ahead of you? Maryland, Purdue, Northwestern for a long time, and they beat you this year. You know, those schools, and Illinois is competing with those schools. They are contending with those schools, but Purdue is elevating its talent under Ryan Walters. Nebraska is now elevating its talent, getting a five-star quarterback. Uh, And Dylan Rayola, uh, a legacy there. They have a top-20 recruiting class right now. So all these other schools are, are elevating their game as well and Illinois has to continue to do it but I do think just some perspective of Brett Bielma you know on paper if you care about the recruiting rankings they have been better under Brett Bielma than they have been in the past 10 years for Illinois Um, now the transfer portal Illinois has been pretty urgent there Illinois has added some JUCOs in this class but they've been a little bit more urgent in the transfer portal of course the big news this week so far before we hear from any transfers who visited this weekend is that Clay Patterson the Yale graduate transfer defensive lineman decommits from Illinois. He announced that on Monday. Uh, if you're a VIP member, you saw this coming. Uh, I was talking about this. And here's the thing. Illinois loved Clay Patterson, the football player. Clay Patterson wanted to play football at Illinois. 
I don't know what happened exactly, but something changed on the official visit. I, I know you want to know what happened. I would love to know what happened. I don't. But something changed on the official visit. Illinois has done a pretty good job here of pivoting, it seems like. Getting Anthony Johnson from Youngstown State, who actually had more offers, bigger offers than, than Clay Patterson. Uh, they have Anechi Sledge, who is an O's tackle prospect. And they brought in Isaiah Hastings, a former four-star prospect, Alabama transfer, for an official visit last weekend. I think they're sitting pretty well from him. We'll see what comes of that. But it stinks that you're not able to hold on to him. And Illinois really liked him as a player. Something happened on the official visit. But it's going to be a big week in the transfer portal for Illinois. Getting Hastings, having three defensive line transfers would certainly help. Offensive line, you've had now J.C. Davis, New Mexico left tackle, would be a monster addition for Illinois. One year of eligibility, all Mountain West left tackle, potential NFL prospect to get him would be massive. You brought in Kevin Wigginson, Michigan State guard, who started you know, games at Michigan State last year. That would elevate the competition on the interior, the depth on the interior, the talent on the interior. And then you hosted Nick Kidwell, a seventh-year offensive lineman out of James Madison, who was an all-Sun Belt guy, right tackle, you know, paucho kind of leader and kind of physical presence, coming off a, a, an injury, so that's a little bit of concern. But if you can add two or three of those guys, you feel really good about what you do up there. You had Texas A&M transfer, a starter, induce Harmon at cornerback visit this past weekend. That would fill a huge need, obviously, after adding Chase Canada, the JUCO prospect as well. So I think Illinois can end up doing pretty well here in the transfer portal and getting Power 5 guys like a lot of people wanted, getting proven linemen like a lot of people wanted. Now, whether you're as good on the offensive and defensive line as last year, I, you know, it's going to be hard to do that in the defensive line. But they have aggressively and urgently tried to fill those needs. So that's going to be a huge part of this week is to see if what commitments come of that. I believe Illinois will not go over on all of those, but that's going to be huge uh, for the 2024 roster. The other thing about this class in 2024 is you have so many early enrollees. Of the 19 guys I expect Illinois to sign, 14 are enrolling early. And that has been a trend under Brett Bielma. He's gotten you know double-digit prep prospects his first couple of years here uh, of getting in here early and developing and having a chance uh, to potentially make an early impact. So I think that's all I got. We are going to do a signing day special show live. We think we're going to do it. Uh, I'll announce it on Twitter at some point, but I think it's going to be around 2.30 this year. We're going to go a little earlier than that, but Brett Bielman moved up his presser to 1 o'clock uh, from what we've seen. And uh, it sounds like we're going to have some Illini signees and some Illini coaches on our signing day special. So that we'll get that information out there. They'll be live on our YouTube channel. We'll put it on our podcast page later that afternoon. Uh, so you guys will have plenty uh, to hear from on this podcast, on our YouTube channel. And we got plenty on the site uh, coming. We've got all our signing day spotlights, breaking down all these prospects, signing day superlatives. We'll have features on these guys. We'll have word for Brett Bioma and the coaching staff about what they say about these prospects. So keep it tuned to Illini Inquire, this podcast, uh, our YouTube channel. We'll have plenty going on there. And uh, we have a VIP sale, 50% off. So if you're interested in all this recruiting stuff, of course, we cover the heck out of it at Illini Inquire. So you can sign up for that right now. All right, I talked enough about football. We'll get plenty of that on our signing day special. Let's talk some hoops with Michael Tua coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. 
This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Well, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays. Choose from 35-plus chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, protein-plus, and more wholesome options. So cross meal prepping off your list this holiday season with Factor. Skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, and get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Head to factormeals.com slash Illini50 and use code Illini50 to get 50% off. That's code Illini50 at factormeals.com slash Illini50 to get 50% off. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, it's time for me to get back here with Michael Tulip. Uh, Derek Piper did a fantastic job filling in, and uh, I enjoyed it as a listener, Mike, coming back from my mini vacation. Uh, we don't have a ton to talk about today with Colgate, but uh, kudos to you guys. That was, that was a lot of fun to listen to. It was fun. It was a change of pace, you know? Need that. I thought, I thought Pipe was awesome. Uh, I think he got the full experience for, you know, doing a pod with me where some of those – probably two minute answers or should be two minute answers turn into three and a half. Um, but yeah, I thought he handled it like a pro. Oh, that's what we need. That's why we like having you on though. Uh, Mike, <laughs> that's why people keep tuning into you. Uh, let, let's dive into this. Uh, Illinois defeats Colgate and uh, Mike, we know that the finals week is always nerve wracking for the coaches, especially, you know, like you texted me when they scheduled this game for this time, like Colgate's a pretty good team. Uh, for Illinois to come out, take a 14 nothing lead, never really threatened, even though there was that lapse late. Just what are your thoughts on Illinois taking care of business against Colgate? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone labels that type of game as a quote-unquote trap game. But trap games should not be a thing for an older group. That's just – that's not a thing that an older group, an experienced group has. So – and the reason I say that is because you think back to – 2021, Trent Frazier, Io DeSumo, that's what made them so good and so consistent in league is it didn't matter if it was first round of the Big Ten tournament or high-level non-conference game or Tuesday night in Lincoln, Nebraska. It was the same mentality because the standard is the standard, right? Uh, you want to go out and play that way every single night. And older guys just have a proclivity to do that consistently. So I thought that was really good because the, the start that they got out to in this game 
fueled by their defense and then the blend of what they did offensively. They hopped out to that 14-0 lead. I mean, Colgate didn't touch the rim in the first three minutes of the game. I thought they were they were just on it. They were in gaps. They were contesting shots. You know, Coleman slips out of screens. Ty Rogers getting downhill. Terrence Shannon makes a couple threes. Quincy's getting to the rim. It all kind of was packaged together there. And I thought it was a big reason why they got off to, to such a great start. And look, Colgate switched things like crazy defensively. They played zone. They iced on the sideline. They drop in the middle of the floor. They were switching everything to start the game. And I thought this this Illinois team didn't blink on the offensive end. Now, there were some lulls mm-hmm. there in the second half. But but on the whole, I mean, those that was 30, 32 minutes of, of really good basketball. It was mature, right, Mike? I mean, that's what you're kind of getting out of this group, Mike. You know, the first three games, it felt like they were trying to feel each other out, and they had some of those slow starts against lower-level opponents. But for the last month, you can count on Like, this team is a reliable when it comes to being mentally prepared, physically, you know, imposing their physicality on teams. Um, what is the value of that uh, in a coaching staff? Well, you see what happened last year where it felt like every game you were getting behind the eight ball and had to, had to climb back. It you know, there's a lot of trust that you can see from Brad Underwood when it comes to this team. And just, they always talk about being assignment sound. And if you're assignment sound to start the game, hey, are we going under on this guy? Are we going over on this guy? There's less miscommunication. There's less busted switches. And those are the things that just irk you as a coach to start a game because you're like, hey, the scouts should be fresh, right? We've done this all week. We we repped it this morning at shoot around. And if you're making mistakes in the first five minutes of the game, that's that's an issue. That's a big issue. And this team doesn't do that. I mean, the first play of the game, they try to go right to a little high-low entry pass, and Quincy does a great job getting over three quarters in the post, and it goes out of bounds. And Quincy's not the type of guy that's going to sit there and, like, pump his chest. And immediately he went to go take the ball out, and he's nodding to the coaching staff, and you inbound it, and you go. And that creates trust not only from the staff to the players – but you can see player to player. That's that's one of the biggest things that stands out to me. And we'll get into Terrence and 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 all that. But man, when you feel like the guys behind you are taking care of you, if you if you mess up or if you you bust a switch, you got guys that are willing to recover and are in the right spot. That allows you to just go and play both offensively and defensively. So I thought that was great. I thought it's a big reason why they've gotten off to uh, to these great starts. I want to get into uh, the supporting cast um, immediately for Terrence Shannon here, but Ty Rogers had one of his best games uh, of the season. Brad Underwood certainly said that. Four points. He was more aggressive, didn't finish some of those at the rim, uh, and then he had eight rebounds, a career high, tied a career high, and a career high five assists in that one. What do you think he can build off from that, Mike? What, what can translate now going into Missouri for Ty Rogers? Yeah, well, I told you, I said last year, even going into the season, that last game against Arkansas, you want to see a guy build an identity as a player. And I thought even in that Arkansas game, he didn't have one yet. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, am I in the dunker spot? Am I kind of just a cutter? Do you want me to handle the ball? And now it's just, he knows what he's doing. He's, hey, if I, I'm bringing the ball up, I'm breaking pressure. I'm not just getting rid of it early just to get it across the timeline and flip it over to Coleman. Let's get us into stuff. If I feel like I like a matchup, let me attack it. Let me get downhill, drop off to Quincy Garrier. Like he's starting to recognize that. And you know, I've said this about players. There is zero stubbornness to his game. Yeah. Zero. It's not like mm, I'm itching to, to get a 17 footer off or I'm itching to get, they're leaving me open. Let me prove to you that I can shoot this three. 
that's not what's good for the team. What's good for the team is the tenacious defense that he plays consistently. Now he has lulls every now and then, like every player does, but on the whole, he does it every single game. He's taking care of the ball, five assists, one turnover. That's real. Those are the numbers that you look at for Ty. Rebounds, assists, turnovers. I mean, you don't have to look in the point column for him. Now, did he back a guy down and stop a run uh, when, when they really needed it, when it got down to a 10-point game? The fact that he's able to do that, and there's also times where I feel like someone has to tap him on the shoulder and be like, dude, you're 6'6". <laughs> That's right. Don't forget that yeah. when you get down there. Everything's like kind of quick finishes or – and maybe that's avoiding like avoiding getting fouled, potentially. Um, but he's also starting to make free throws at a higher clip too. And if and if you're in situations like that where you game after game, it's like, man, I know exactly what to expect because this is my role, and I play it at a very very high level, and that is that is going to help this team immensely. He knows who he is, and he helps this team. Yeah. Um, and. Listen, I get it. Like, if you had a Nico Moretti type handle in there that could break down an off, it's. But there's also the downside of what happens defensively and on the glass if 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 a guy like Nico Moretti is in. So, you know, the point guard situation is what it is, Mike. But there's there's also like the upside of Ty Rogers. I don't think enough people talk about. Uh, even though he can be a negative at times offensively because he's not a shooting threat. Um, so I just I don't feel like people talk about that enough is all the other things he does kind of ups what the point guard situation is for Illinois. Um, and he's not even the point guard half the time. It's usually Marcus Domask or, or Terrence Shannon. But I don't know. I, I just feel like he deserves some more credit. I feel like he gets a little criticism just because Illinois didn't add a Ray J. Dennis. But even Ray J. Dennis, who would help Illinois offensively, he's been pretty terrible defensively. I, I'm not saying I, I wouldn't want him because I would want him on the team. But I, I just feel like some of the things Ty does, maybe like Coleman kind of gets overlooked. Yes. And I think the best way I think the best way to think about this because as fans, you can get sucked into thinking just every team is the same. Yeah. Right? You know, oh, my gosh, if you don't have point guard play, here is where your floor is, here is where your ceiling is. It's okay to not have point guard play. You just better be damn good in those other areas. Yes. Like, damn good in those other areas. And they've been damn good <laughs> on, on the defensive end. And – I, I the descript the I guess the analogy that I made, and uh, apologies if I've said this before, but think about like NBA 2K. Think about building a video game character. All those different sliders, right? Oh, his athleticism's 92, and his um, you know ball handling is 68. And so think about where this team is at. Maybe as a point, like from point guard play. Let's say yeah. it's at a 78, right? but their defense is at a 92 and their offensive rebounding is at an 88. Now you can be a team that's a 78 with point guard play. That's also 72 on the defensive end and is also, you know, 67 on the offensive. Those are the teams that lose a lot of games, but we've seen over the course of, of, you know, the last, let's just say the last 10 years, no true point guard doesn't mean you're just, completely out of final four consideration yet you can't make a tournament run we've seen it it's happened before there's you know 2017 south carolina there's last year san diego state kind of had point guard play kind of yeah. not that wasn't really their identity syracuse i know they run the two three zone but in 2015 they started everyone like six five and above and that was 
they said we're going to roll with length and and booty ball and skill on the offensive end and so you can do it but like i said you better be damn good yeah. in those other areas and they've they've done that so again not all teams are built the same structured the same and i think it's partly a, a credit to to brad underwood that took some cojones man to sure be like does. screw it we're not going point guard and 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 what does that really mean because if this was a situation and you and i had talked about this before where they went into Tennessee and had 86 offensive possessions and turned it over 22 times, maybe it's a conversation. They turned it over nine times yeah. against Tennessee. And part of that's the way that they're running offense. Now they're starting to incorporate more back downs and you know, putting putting you in a bind in different ways. Uh, and I thought I think it's helped them a ton. So yeah. that's kind of the best way that that I can break it down because we can't just sit here and be like, oh yeah, no point guard play. This, you know, they're completely capped. Listen, I am like the biggest proponent of point guard play matters almost as much as anything in college basketball, especially when you get into the NCAA tournament. So I still have that concern. I don't want people listening to this and say I don't have that concern. But I do think this offensive approach where it's matchup, it's kind of isolation with Damask or, or Shannon or whatever it is, or a two man game when you get Coleman Hawkins involved. What have you made? Is that sustainable, Mike? Like, is that is that a model that's going to work? Um, and what do you think of Brad Underwood kind of going to this with this personnel? I think we've seen it work. They're like the early returns on it have been solid. And I think what they're trying to do, I had mentioned this on a podcast previously where it's like, hey, if you got a smaller guy on you, post deeper. And if you got a bigger guy on you, post a little bit higher so you can face up. But I think Brad Underwood made a really good point. If you have a smaller guy on you, you can post a little bit further out because you're not allowed to arm bar past you know further out of the paint so that's going to be a foul and it should have been at Tennessee they let Ziegler just completely have an arm bar out towards the three-point arc so that's that's the bind that they're trying to to put you in now if you said hey we're going to run spread or we're going to run just high ball screens to death like this isn't the team to do either of those things but this is the team to do those things that we talked about with the quote-unquote booty ball and being able to I mean 6250 Ty Rogers puts you know, has a little back down. They like a matchup. They go right to it. The next play down the court, you see Brad Underwood going like this for pistol. And that's, we like Ty Rogers matchup again, get the switch back down again. He gets into the paint, is able to kind of, you know, kick it back out. Damascus gets downhill. They get a foul. And that's, that's, that's coaching. That's, that's your personnel. So I feel like it's, they've done a good job of saying, okay, after the first couple games, we want all this like movement and cutting, which is great. But what is really our strength? We talked about it from the first couple of weeks. Post Damask. Mm-hmm. I think they can post Terrence Shannon more. And I think they will. Yeah, he looked a little like, uncomfortable in his one. Uh, but, yes, I, I, he's yeah. such a big dude. Like, he's such a tough matchup. Yeah, and, like, most teams are like, man, if we want to post, we have to go with a big. Danger. And you can do that with Dane. Now you got Dane. You can post Coleman. You can post Marcus, Ty, Terrence. That's really tough because you better have five guys on the floor that you feel really good about if you're the other team defensively. Because if you have one weak link, they're just going to go right to it. It's like it's like the NBA playoffs. That's all it turns into. And uh, I, I feel like Brad Underwood might have watched a Michael Two up film room because did you hear him talking about Coleman Hawkins slipping more out of those uh, ball screens? <laughs> I I, I, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if he was watching a film room, but you could see early on yeah. he's he's so used to popping yeah. and. When he rolls and when he rolls hard, the difference between Coleman and Dane right now 
is Coleman sprints out of his roles and Dane shuffles. And it is really hard when guys sprint out of roles, especially when you're worried about a pick and pop. He does it with – Coleman's great at doing it with different pace. And now you're you're pulling in the defense. And when you do it quickly and you slip out, now you may have just a free run to the basket. That's what makes that five out so hard. And if he's going to continue to do that, I mean, we can get into Coleman Hawkins, but man, it, yeah, you're right. I mean, they've 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 mixed that in a little bit, and it's it's going to create driving lanes. It's going to create three point opportunities when teams start to get weary of Coleman slipping. It's it's a really 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 great weapon. Terrence Shannon just has help right now, Mike. Uh, the first couple games, you're wondering, does he have enough help in the supporting cast? Seen Domask play really well since Rutgers. Quincy Garrier, the last two games, just looks completely different, more confident, maybe he's more healthy. Uh, and then Coleman Hawkins is really getting going offensively. Uh, what does that do for this team when you have those three guys, along with Shannon, who are all capable of double digits almost every night, potentially? Yeah, I think it's a product of guys filling in and understanding their roles at this point in the season. I think Look, look at even just offensively. Quincy, you know, early on it was like clay corner threes, and now he is just his identity is I'm gonna crash the offensive glass. I am a catch and shoot three-point guy. And if you want to run me off the line or you have a bad closeout, I am literal straight line drive to the basket and trying to shoot two free throws. Okay. Ty Rogers, we just talked about it, knows exactly who he is. I'm not gonna do too much offensively. I'm gonna be a mover, a connector. I'm going to back guys down when I can. Marcus Damask, same thing. I'm coming out. I need to be a threat when I'm coming off of ball screens, when I'm operating in the half court. And then Coleman, again, we just talked about it, slipping, pick and pop, having a variety, being a guy that is also one of those connectors. Guys are starting to fall into their roles. So now Terrence doesn't have to carry that burden offensively. It actually makes him better offensively because there's more threats on the court, which means more driving lanes for him. And he's more opportunistic and, you know, in transition. And then defensively, because all these guys are starting to come along and figure out who they are offensively, he can just go to town like he did on, on Sunday. I mean, I mean, Braden Smith is a really good point guard, Colgate Braden Smith. But he's just, he was just taken out of the game. Mm-hmm. That's like all Patriot League type of guy. And it was just, man, Terrence didn't need to spend so much energy offensively trying to create and get things going where you just stuck him on that point it was game over mm-hmm. I mean, there was there's no way colgate was going to win that game without Braden smith getting off and and terrence just uh, five blocks coming over from the weak side doing it on the ball i mean it, it's freed him up more than even last year to just go and be terrence shannon and now you got him really believing that he is that dude and and it becomes dangerous now the challenge for him is to say he can't come into games and be like my guy's got me Right. Yes. I need to like that's the challenge for him is yes, you have help, but you also help all those other guys by you being aggressive, by you putting the pressure on. And he's man, there were three times in the first half where he ripped with that left hand. They wanted to help in from the ball side corner. Boom. Mm-hmm. Open look. Boom. That is, I mean, the gravity he's creating on these drives is is freeing up all these guys. So that's that's my challenge to Terrence is yes, you have help. But it, it is all like a symbiotic relationship. Right. They will suffer if you aren't as aggressive and vice versa.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Mike, um, I could go off on this for a little bit, but you're the guest, so I'm going to ask you. Some fans want to see the freshman, Amani Hansberry and Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn more. What would you say to them? I want to hear what you have to say about this. <laughs> Why? why? I know why. They're nervous of transfers. They're nervous of the transfer portal. They're nervous of Jaden Epps, Sky Clark, Brandon Pajemski. You are the number 13 team in the country. You have one of the oldest teams, and all these guys, all of them, are playing extremely well. Who are you benching? Are are you benching Quincy Garrier for even Dane Danger right now? I'm not. Like, are, are you benching Coleman Hawkins for even Dane Danger? Amani Hansberry seems pretty locked in. Like, I, I don't worry too much about him. Uh, you're going to need him when you're in foul trouble. He's going to have his time next year. Amani Hansberry is probably going to be a starter on next year's team. Dre Gibbs Allhorn probably going to be a starter on next year's team. I'm not benching Terrence Shannon or Ty Rogers right now for him, or even Justin Harmon, who comes in and gives me exactly what I need. Dre Gibbs Allhorn, like, I don't want to lose a game just because I want to keep him for next year. I, I'm just not I'm not going about it that way. Um, Brad Underwood's pretty good in the portal. He can go find guys if he needs to. Those guys can develop and practice, and they're going to get their opportunities. You're the number 13 team in the country. Your potential, you know, you got to try and win these games. I'm just not if, – if that's going to happen, Mike, it's going to happen, and Illinois is going to find more talent. But those guys do seem pretty locked in. I'm just – you play to win the game. <laughs> you play to win the game, and right now you have a team that can win a lot of games. You just asked two really good questions. You said why, and you said for who. Right. And and that's just that's the point, right? And these this is what happens with really good teams. And the reality of college basketball right now is you could play the freshman because of the anxiety of a potential departure. We've seen guys dudes leave anyways. Doesn't matter. So it, it, Jaden Epps and Sky Clark had all the playing time they wanted. It didn't matter. Yeah. So you can't you can't sacrifice the now to project out a potential future. And again, it does go back to what Brad Underwood's done in the portal because I think he's done a great job of reloading. Now, do you make it hard on yourself when you have kind of these rentals? And I hate calling like Damask and Harmon those type right. of guys rentals, but it's a one year thing. And you got to reset again next year. You got to re- reset again, likely the next year. Um, but, but you I made you made the point, time. Mike. Like you made the point last year, he invested so much in those freshman guards, and it completely backfires. It, did, it didn't matter. It, it just didn't. So maybe that's where I'm coming through. Is like, all right, I've seen this enough. I get it. I want Amani Hansberry here for the next three, four years. I want Ty Rogers here uh, through four years. Like Dre Gibbs Allhorn, I think can be a special scoring guard in the Big Ten. I think he has a pretty good ceiling defensively as well. I want those guys around, but it feels like even if you do play them, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, look at Kentucky. That's that's, that's something I'll be watching all year because it's very rare in this day and age. Kentucky was probably the last team to do it in 2012 
with Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. It's, it's just really hard to win with freshmen. And they've gotten off to a good start this year, Kentucky has. And they have Reed Shepard and Dillingham and Wagner and Justin Edwards. I mean, they're, they're loaded. What's that going to look like in February? And, you know, do some coaches feel vindicated for not relying on, on freshmen? But this is what, this is what I'll say about, about Dre and Imani specifically. The ticket onto the floor for freshmen, you've heard, heard me say it before, is the defensive end. And unfortunately, the five guys that start and play a lot of minutes are damn good defensively. Right. Like really, really good on the defensive end. I think your two best lineups right now, at least in my opinion, are the starters and then four of the starters plus Goody. Mm-hmm. And Goody's another guy that goes in there that most times he ain't making a lot of mistakes. So that that's just the nature of having a really good team. But another point that I want to make is as fans – you watch games, right? And throughout the course of a season, there's what, 30 plus, 30 to 34 maybe games. There's 200 plus practices. And if you if you listen to Brad Underwood in press conferences and pregame stuff, oh, he had a really good week of practice. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we knew he wasn't going to have a good game. He didn't have a good week of practice. And for freshmen, that is the hardest part because you have older guys that understand what the kind of that meaning of practices every single day and the consistent effort that needs to be brought every single day. And as a freshman, man, it is like one good practice, then two bad ones. And you're, you're trying to fight that. And we always say, man, I put you in in a pressure situation in a game. I've, I've earned my coach's trust. There are 200 plus chances to earn your coach's trust throughout the season in practice. And it's just, it's human nature. If a guy has been turning it over, beat off the dribble, scored on like crazy, it's going to, throughout the course of a week in practice, how do you go into a game, especially a high-level game, be like, let's put that guy in? So I'm not saying that they, you know, freshmen, Dre and Hamani specifically are like really struggling in practice. I don't know that. I just know that's super common for freshmen, especially freshmen on a team that is, is very veteran laden. Dude, I was the only freshman on the team in 2012-2013. The only one. I left I left practice at times just I was like what is going on? This is crazy and I had no one else to gauge my progress off of nothing. It was just like this is what college holy cow. I mean this I got to like I really have to bring it every single day. Period. Yeah, and like I don't Who's the Big 10 freshman year? Is it Owen Freeman at Iowa right now? Like Freshmen are, are in Bakwa, right, from Indiana, probably. Um, probably. Blackwell's been really good for Wisconsin. Yeah, so but there's just not a lot of freshmen playing, like, in, in the Big Ten. And part of that's the COVID year, and, and part of that's the transfer portal. But, you know, a lot of freshmen don't come in and dominate right away. I think Amani is doing what you want him to do when he gets on the court. I think Dre is forcing things when he gets on the court. And we know this every year, Mike. We can talk about nine or ten deep. That never happens. It's eight guys. You have eight guys who are going to play. And right now, that's Shannon, that's Domask, Hawkins, Garrier, Rogers, Goody, Harmon, Danger. And the same people wanting Amani and, and Dre to play more want Dane to play more. And it's like, I, who do you take him out for? Garrier and Hawkins are, are, are playing too well. Goody's playing really, really well. So I get it. In an ideal world, those guys would be growing. They'd be showing signs on the court so that maybe that one or two games, you need a score off the bench. Dre Gibbs Allhorn can be that. But that's just difficult to do while you're trying to win games. Even in that Colgate game, 
Coleman Hawkins is in the game, you get out to a 14-0 start. And then in the second half, you build, you know, with that starting group and Coleman in there, you build it to 22. And then, you know, at one point it was 15 when he was in there. He went out and went down to 10. Mm -hmm. And part of that, and I don't, I'm saying, I don't want to put this, I'm not, I'm not, you know, being overly critical here, I don't think of Dane Danger, but man, defensively, shoot, it's a 12-point game and he he's the low man guarding the guy in the in the short corner and doesn't rotate over and they get a layup they go down he airballs a left hook then they come down and woodward or or their big man number 55 is dribbling the ball and instead of going into a dribble handoff they came in screen danger and danger just kind of like fish out of water like most bigs are when they get onto the perimeter just gets completely hit on a screen and woodward just comes off and goes in and dunks it and it's like that little stuff like and Dane Danger, and here's the here's the issue for Dane, like we've talked about, this is a damn good team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dane Danger is probably playing 25, 28 minutes a game for Minnesota. Minnesota for, for any yeah. of these other teams because he's talented and he could probably be like an honorable mention all Big Ten guy because he would put up probably 15 and 9 mm-hmm. or something along those lines. But if you want to win at a high level and you have final four type of aspirations there's there's going to be a cap on a guy like dane and it's nothing against dane as a player it has everything to do with how good these other guys are Mm -hmm. and how consistent they are so that's what's hard about evaluation and about scouting is because man it's for a team that's ranked 13th in the country there's just not a lot of margin for error for bench guys because there's like hey get that other guy right back in and and I will say, and I feel for Dane in this way, is there's two sides of this. There's the one side that, you know, you want more opportunity. And there's the other side of it where it's like, it's hard to get into a rhythm when you play spot minutes. It just is. Mm-hmm. So that's why almost for a guy like Amani Hansberry, he comes in and less is more, where it's like, man, I'm just going to rebound, hustle, yep. and that's it. it. And for bigs, it's easier. That's why, like, for Dre Gibbs Lawhorn, like you're guarding on the perimeter, you're having to handle the ball. There's a lot more that's asked of you for a guy that's a freshman guard. I mean, that's like that's like really, really hard to come in and really make your imprint on it when you've been so used to just being able to play with freedom and now you have more structure and he's just getting used to that. Yeah, you make a good point. Like Dane and, and Dre, I think at this point, if they had a bunch of playing time, could be putting up good numbers. I just think Illinois has more losses. So um, Look at – like nothing against Jaden Epps and Sky Clark – yeah. Are their numbers better? Yeah. Where they're at? No question. They're not winning. They're there just, they're not. Georgetown and Louisville. I mean, those are two of the worst high major programs in college basketball. Period. So, and again, like those two, those two guys are talented. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. And, you know, it, not everyone can go and put up 15 a game, 16 a game in, in high major division one college basketball. But there are, and again, I'll make this point too. And I think I've made it before, maybe years ago on this podcast. And apologies for the for the kind of side rant here, but I think it, it encapsulates a, a broader point. We huddled up after the Big Ten tournament. Um, this was probably 2014. Gross huddled us up, and he said, "Hey, I want you know we need more off the ball movement. Guys doing stuff without the ball. There are however many minutes in a game and however many minutes a guy, guys play in a game, who do you think plays the most minutes in the game for us? And we're like, ah, Tracy, probably at point guard, Ravante, one of those guys. How many minutes 
what's the elapsed time that they have the ball in their hand for a game? Who is it that has it the most? We thought Tracy, Ravante, uh, let's go with Tracy. Yes, it was Tracy Abrams that, you know, playing 32 minutes a game had the ball in his hands the most. How long did he have the ball in his hands total throughout a game? Ooh, that's a good question. And everyone guessed, mm, like, eight minutes, maybe nine minutes, four minutes and ten seconds is how long he had the ball in his hands. And sometimes it was even less than that. So there are 29 minutes. Like, 90% of the time you are on the court, you do not have the ball in your hands. And if you aren't a good defender, if you don't rebound at a high level, if you don't cut off the ball, if you don't space the floor, like, that is basketball. It makes me think, how many does Luke Goody have the ball in his hands? 40 seconds? <laughs> Literally. I mean, that may be that honestly yeah. maybe high. And also, that's why they're trying to – you hear them talk about this a little bit – 0.5-second basketball, half-a-second basketball. They've referred to it, like, sometimes in press conferences. Steph Curry, there was a viral clip that, you know, a, a couple – maybe, like, last year where he's, like, 0.5-second basketball. When I catch the ball, shoot – pass dribble 0.5 seconds has to be it has to be one of the two and what that does is it force you to be decisive when you do have the ball boom don't have it there drive don't have it there or shot great put it on the deck move like that it continues to have the defense moving and that's Steph freaking Curry man I mean that is like one of the Picassos of offense mm -hmm. in in our generation so they've tried you see I saw that in the first half against Colgate it was like boom and even if you feel like you don't know exactly what to do, you're doing something, and you're doing it with conviction. Yeah. So, Jeremy, I don't even know how we got here. Yeah, but I, I, and I don't think it's a straw man because I get it from everybody else. So I hope we're not making like a, a straw man um, kind of response here. But um, I, I just hear from a lot of people who are like, why aren't the freshmen playing more? And I, I just – you're playing to yeah, win. I get it. No, I get it. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I understand the ideal version. I understand the the angst about the portal. Um Listen, I, I don't think it matters. <laughs> we saw it didn't matter last year. But anyway, uh, you mentioned John Gross. He was really good in the Bragg and Rights game. Uh, for all of uh, the, the issues of that tenure, um, you guys owned it. Did you even lose one, Mike? Uh, my freshman year. Freshman Top year. 10 matchup. Okay. Yeah, really good game. Um, this is a different game. Uh, and, and I feel like the, the cliche of throw the records out certainly – applies to this one Missouri seven and three right now Illinois eight and two what is the vibe of this game as a player uh, let me ask you I'm gonna flip this back on you for a second yeah Missouri seven and like, four by the way yeah. what's that Missouri seven and four by the way yeah do you feel like over the last maybe and I, I'm saying this I know I'm removed from it mm -hmm. but I feel like I've been around it enough now do you feel like this game has lost steam the last five plus years yeah, I was. Ho I thought Quanzo could could ramp it up, and I think he did from one side. Um, I, I think Missouri really cared about this game, yeah. and maybe Quanzo being from East St. Louis helped that. I think Brad underplayed it a little bit early on, uh, and I think his guys were taken by surprise by how hard Missouri played in this. Um, but Missouri's struggles under Kim Anderson certainly killed this game for a little bit. Missouri fans that just haven't shown up. Um, I still think people care about it, but... You know, when Illinois was winning all those years, I think people care about it. Yeah, but I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying the team. There's just I, my broader point is the fact that rivalries are rivalries when there's carryover of players. Yeah, and I was going to get to that. I, I think that's the issue. Like 
the guy who's had the most experience in this game on the Illinois side is Luke Goody and Terrence Shannon, right? And Terrence was only there for one year when they got their butts kicked. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, Trent Frazier's there for several years. Even a, even a guy like Ravante Rice, who grew up around Champaign, like cared about this game. Um, I, yeah, I, I do think the players, the lack the of carryover. Like, yeah, I, the player movement has is, is yeah. created a different atmosphere with this. I mean, every single year it's, I mean, ideally – back in maybe like the early 2010s or just 2000s in general, it's like, man, remember what this guy did last year and now we're playing him again and there's just built up. I mean, think about the Bucks and the Pacers. They go and steal a game ball and there's all this. And the, the reason why people are probably going to tune into the next one, I'm not mm-hmm. saying everyone's going to do that, is because it's like, whoa, like these players play each other again. What's going to happen? Is there, you know, bad blood from last year? And granted, last year, I think there's maybe four Mizzou players that are back. There's, yeah. I think, five Illinois players, Hawkins, Shannon, Goody, Rogers, and Dane. I do think early on in the Conzo era with Tillman, Javon Pickett, like yeah, that's, I mean, that, is, that yeah. side cared. Like that side Mark really Smith. cared. Yeah, Mark Smith. Like Mark that. Smith. There was some juice there. Um, I think. It's I think familiarity the, though. Again, the juice like, has that, been that lacking. Was like, so blunt it was like this guy was either committed or was at illinois and is now playing for the rival and that's that's an easy one what to get up for what's amazing though is on the flip side of that like i was there for three years didn't win this game trent lost this game more often than he won like that's what's weird is, is those guys lost this game even though there was carryover with them so yeah uh, and it's interesting too there's been mizzou has had nba talent mm-hmm. um i mean i'm thinking back to Porter. my freshman year we were and, and this was my first exposure. That game was insane. And granted, it was a top ten matchup, so that helps too. But there were the amount of shit talking <laughs> that was taking place at half court to to the point like coaches stepping in. Tony Criswell was a guy that was just like pretty Man. much there, Draymond Green, yeah. and and like wanted to stir things up. And our our guys were talking, their guys were talking, and it was like. Oh, they just tense before tip off, and then everybody floods in. It's split right down the middle. That game was nuts, and you had like Phil Pressy, um, Jabari Brown. I think had like a, a cup of coffee in the NBA, and then the following year, those guys leave seniors. They all graduate, and then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, who's this Jordan Clarkson guy? <laughs> he transferred in from Tulane or Tol- or Tulsa, yeah. wherever he came from. And they had Jonathan Williams who played with the Lakers. And they like you go down the line, Mizzou, and even last year, Kobe Brown, Drew Smith has played with the Heat. Um, he got hurt this year in, in the NBA, but like they've had NBA talent over the years, and that's part of the reason why they've I think they've been pretty successful in this game. Now, Illinois has two with I mean, Kendrick. Yeah, Kendrick played in the league. I know obviously Io. Um, Malcolm, yeah, for Malcolm. If you want to go back to Myers, like they've they've had that, so it it really has been. There have been pros in this game. I'm just I'm just curious to see. Man, you got your butt kicked last year if you're Illinois, and then two. I mean, this is a Mizzou team that since Dennis Gates has got there, they've done two things really well. They've shot the ball well and they've turned teams over because they press. And what better game to install a press or, or I guess. Um, deploy a press uh, to a team that now, like you, we talked about the point guard thing. Mm-hmm. I could sit here and say, ah, they don't really need a point guard. And then this could be a game where you turn it over 20 times. Yep. And and this could be a game where we talk about those really great starts that Illinois has. This could be a game where you don't get off to a great start because 
most of the time they go with a man press, but when they're really wanting to ratchet things up, they run and jump and they trap in the backcourt. So good, off to good starts, taking care of the ball. Illinois has done those things. You are, man, you're going to be tested in this game from the jump. When we talked about mature approaches, better bring it. Like I wonder what practice was like this week with Brad Underwood. He ratcheted up a little bit. Um, Cause remember Justin Harmon going to that Ford Atlantic game. He said they just got pissed off. They had to take it off against somebody because Brad was, uh, you know, running pretty hard in practice. So um, it's a big game, Mike, because if, if you get this one and take care of business against Fairleigh Dickinson, which they will, like that's a pretty good non-conference. Uh, but if, if you lose this one, Maybe it's a wake-up call, but it's been a wake-up call too often against this Missouri team. Uh, get this win. It's a quad two opportunity right now. Um, take care of business against Fairleigh Dickinson, going to the Big Ten. I think you feel pretty good about this team. Yeah, that's what, 10-2? and two? Yeah. In the, in the non-con, and that's why this Mizzou game is so important beyond just the rivalry aspect of it. It's like your last litmus test against a high major in December. And... Don't get me wrong, Illinois has been tested. Right. This has been this has been one of the more arduous Decembers that I can remember. When you talk about going to Rutgers, FAU on a neutral. I mean, FAU, even since that Illinois game, they're just taking care of business mm-hmm. every single night. Um, and then going to Tennessee and then playing a Colgate team that's been to three out of the last four or four out of the last five NCAA tournaments. Then you have a rivalry game, and then you have an FDU team that is – man, you talk about a – a tune-up, uh, I shouldn't say a tune-up, but uh, Missouri plays, FDU's like m- mid-major Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just, they press, they get after you. So this will be a great test of, to finish out the season because you want to be on the ascent when you head into this marathon of Big Ten play. But before I let you go, I just want to kind of reflect here. I've kind of hit on it, but like Illinois is number 13 in the country. There was a lot of n- nerves about this team and maybe there will be if they, they lose to Missouri, but um most think they're the second best team in the Big Ten. What has Brad Underwood done well through the first two months of the season? Well, we've talked about the portal. Just, I mean, you you only put yourself in this position if you go out and get the requisite personnel, right? And not only that, it's not only the players that he's gotten; it's it's the the character of the guys that he's gotten. I just, I I really, even from afar, think the world of of Quincy Gary. I mm-hmm. he's a great example. And hopefully a great example for for guys like Dre Gibbs Lawhorn and Imani Hansberry. Yep. Where it's like, man, I mean, Quincy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn for about a month. But you never once questioned his body language, his effort. And what that does is it puts you in position to go into Tennessee because you're in the right frame of mind and have the performance that he had. And if I'm Dre Gibbs Lawhorn or Imani, it's like, man, I got to stay consistently or consistent mentally so that when I do get my chance, I'm, I'm at least putting my best foot forward. So that's the first thing. And you can say the same about Damask and yeah. Harmon. I think both of them have been just high character guys, but I'll also give Brad Underwood credit where I thought in the beginning of the year, you're trying to, to figure out what this team's identity is offensively. It's like, are we going to do these split actions? Are we going to, you know, implement some spread concepts? What are we going to do? And then finally you look at your personnel, you say, hmm, we have a lot of mismatches offensively. And I know we want to space and shoot threes, and and that's what everyone wants to do nowadays. But what what beat you last year was Penn State just <laughs> relentlessly backing you down, getting where they wanted to go, inside out. Now you're having inside out passing from guys that can pass. 
and that leads to easier three point attempts. And so they've, they've really been able to be potent on, I think on the offensive end, just with their structure and what they're doing, but defensively, I mean, the fact that you have all this length and all this size, and a lot of times people will equate that and speed, right? These guys are, are good athletes. The fact you have all of that and you're still saying, we don't need to be a team that presses you, that forces you into turnovers. Like we are going, like it's death by a thousand paper cuts mm-hmm. with this Illinois defense. And what I mean is like, you are going to, we're going to be in drop coverage. We're going to stay out of rotation. We're going to limit threes. And over the course of a game, your quality of shot is going to be at a level that is going to end up working in our favor. You may hit your first three shots coming, like you play Michigan State and A.J. Hoggard or Tyson Walker can come off and shoot right up there, jump up and shoot from the free throw line or from 17 feet and make their first three. But we're just going to keep doing the same thing. Tony it's Perkins, methodical. Yeah. It really is. And it just kind of lulls you. And and over the course of the game, man, they're contesting everything. Their length, like that is how they're doing it. And it's just – it's super impressive because they aren't turning – team. they just aren't turning teams over a bunch. But the quality of shot is so low to where – they don't need to rely on turnovers to go and and get rebounds and get out on the uh, in transition. I mean, Terrence Shannon basically creates his own lanes in, in transition. So just really impressed with with all of that. Now you need to just now you need to continue it and and stay true to it. And I've said I've used this phrase before, but you cannot get bored with consistency. Mm-hmm. You just can't get bored with it. So yeah, that's 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 kind of the thirty thousand foot view uh, when you when we're ten games in here. Got a lot of season to go, but a good start. Michael Toop, uh, always appreciate the insight, man. Have a happy holiday, and we'll catch up with you next week, man. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Great stuff, as always, from Michael Toop. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the On Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on our YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Like the videos. And uh, we appreciate all you guys supporting us that way as well. Again, our signing day special, we're planning about 2.30 on Wednesday. We'll do that live on our YouTube channel. Then we'll get it uploaded right after, uh, as soon as possible, on our podcast feed. So you'll have that for the holiday weekend, leading into bragging rights as well. And then we'll be at bragging rights, and then we will take a few days off uh, around the holidays. We'll have plenty of content, though. At Alana Enquirer, again, 50% off for a VIP membership. We got that promo going on right now. That's more than $60 of savings for your first year of membership. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to the Alana Enquirer podcast. Have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.